everyone. Thank you very much for joining us today. My name is Susie Gelman, and I'm privileged to serve as the board chair of Israel Policy Forum. If you're joining Israel Policy Forum for the first time today, I want to welcome you. And if you're a returning viewer, I want to welcome you back. I hope that all of you who observed Yom Kippur had an easy and meaningful fast. Israel Policy Forum is committed to advancing a viable two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Even though annexation has been nominally suspended under the Israel-UAE agreement, it is not off the table, and we are not dropping our guard with regard to the threat that annexation would pose to our vision of a secure Jewish and democratic Israel. We work to advance this mission through work with the American Jewish community, with policymakers in Washington, and with emerging leaders of the next generation. To get involved with our work, I invite you to tune into our podcast, Israel Policy Pod. Sign up to receive our policy director, Michael Coplow's weekly column, which comes out every Thursday. And I also encourage young professionals to get involved in our IPF Atid program. To keep all of this work going, we rely on your generosity, particularly amidst today's financial and political uncertainties. So to all of our supporters on this program, I wanna take this opportunity to say thank you. If you view Israel Policy Forum as a vital resource, want to help ensure the success of our initiatives in the year ahead, and have not already done so, then I encourage you to please make a contribution today at www.israelpolicyforum.org forward slash giving. Now on to today's program. This week marks 20 years since the start of the second Intifada. Those five years of terror spanning 2000 to 2005 had a profound impact on Israelis and Palestinians alike and altered the trajectory of the Israeli-Palestinian relationship, the viability of the two-state solution, and domestic Israeli and Palestinian politics over the subsequent two decades. To help us understand the significance of this anniversary, Gal Berger is the Palestinian Affairs Correspondent for Khan News in Israel. Previously, he was a reporter on Palestinian affairs for Kol Israel and the First Class News website. In 2009, he received an award from the CEO of the Israel Broadcasting Authority, recognizing his contributions at Kol Israel. With that, Gal, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. As we reflect on the second intifada, could you please set the stage for us? How, in the span of just over half a decade, did we get from the signing of the Oslo Accords to such a massive outbreak of violence? So, uh, hi everybody again, and uh, good afternoon for you. Uh, thank you uh, a lot for uh, joining. As already said, I'm covering Palestinian affairs, the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. Uh, I've been doing so for the last 17 years and um, I never get bored. I hope uh, you two uh, would uh, find it interesting uh, in the next hour. I will try to be as shorter uh, as I can, and then we will open it for questions, right? Yes. And you will, will have enough time uh, uh, to ask, I guess. So um, for today's briefing, I was asked to speak with you about the Second Intifada, uh, which is probably the last war, biggest war between us and the Palestinians, as much as we can call it a war, because in many ways it wasn't really a war, uh, or at least not such a war that is taking place in the battlefield, but a war that is coming inside your house, inside your home, with suicide bombers exploding themselves among uh, civilians, women, children, elders, in coffee shops, restaurants, uh, and on buses, actually everywhere. The Second Intifada, as many of you probably remember, uh, erupted exactly today, 20 years ago, uh, and lasted between four to five years until the year of 2005. 1,000 Israelis were killed, half of them by the suicide bombers themselves. According to the Palestinians, 3,000 Palestinians were killed also during that period. And I think... Uh, we have to remind this uh, period uh, because in many ways this war 
and those very terrible days uh, shaped the reality that we are still living today. Uh, the main outcome of that war, if you ask me, is that the Second Intifada managed to build very high virtual wall, virtual wall between the two peoples, the Israelis and the Palestinians. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I think uh, that most Israelis under the age of 40 have never been in a Palestinian city like Ramallah or Hebron or Jenin or Nablus, I think many of them probably never spoke to a Palestinian face-to-face, -face, and it's true in both directions, by the way. Now, definitely during the last 15 years, since the end of the Second Intifada, uh, the reality on the ground has been changed dramatically, and the atmosphere has been changed dramatically, but the lack of trust between the two peoples is still very much here. Uh, it is still present. And if you are looking for the roots for this lack of trust, you should go back in time to the second intifada. There you would find them. Um, the fact that the Palestinian faction that we had uh, signed the Oslo Accords with back in the 90s, I mean the Fatah, which controls the PLO and afterwards established the PA, the Palestinian Authority, the fact that the same Fatah was involved in so many terror attacks against Israelis during the Second Intifada is still fresh in the minds of many, many Israelis. And although Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Mazen, has replaced Yasser Arafat, as the head of the Fatah movement and the head of the PLO and the head of the Palestinian Authority already 15 years ago. Um, and uh, although the fact that Abu Mazen, Mahmoud Abbas, when he came into office, he brought in a new agenda of confronting terror attacks against Israelis, uh, unfortunately, it came too late and uh, it wasn't enough. And in many, many ways, one can say that Abu Mazen was the right man in the wrong time. Uh, but if you ask me, it's not only a bad timing. It's not only a matter of bad timing. Uh, I mean, during the last 15 years, while uh, Abu Mazen, Mahmoud Abbas, is in office, I think he had taken, let's say, three main decisions that made many Israelis understand that even him, Abu Mazen, he is not um, the partner that we are looking for. First, when he didn't accept Prime Minister Olmert's offer. Then, when he refused Prime Minister Netanyahu's demand to recognize Israel as a Jewish state, which I think turned on many red lights among the Israeli public. Um, Many Israelis didn't care before that. Uh, we didn't want the Palestinians, or we, we don't need the Palestinians to recognize us as a Jewish state. But after this refusal by Abu Mazen, many people here actually asked themselves why he is refusing to do so. And finally, when Abu Mazen didn't clearly stand up against the last round of terror and violence on October 2015, it took him some time to do so. But uh, during that time, I think he had lost many points in the Israeli public. So uh, the fact that Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Mazen, the head of the PA and the head of the PLO and the head of the Fatah movement uh, consisted and still does to keep paying monthly salaries for Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jail, including those who were sentenced for life uh, after murdering Israelis and paying them through a very problematic method, which actually says the more you kill, the more you get. All of this didn't help Abu Mazen to get more support or acknowledgement for his efforts against terror among the Israeli public. But 
uh, uh, by the way, this duality in the PA, the Palestinian Authority, is well known in Israel. I mean that the PA and the Palestinian security forces are fighting terror before the terror attack is taking place. But then after the terror attack has already happened, they support it. They hug the one who committed this attack, sometimes by words and always by money uh, through the monthly salaries to the prisoners. Having said all that, uh, I think we cannot take from Mahmoud Abbas Abu Mazen his credit or the credit for his part in preventing a new intifada to erupt while he is in office during the last 15 years. And if I was asked uh, to try or at least analyze what prevented the Palestinians from starting a third intifada against Israel, uh, I would probably focus on seven main reasons. First, and this is the main reason if you ask me why there is not a new intifada, is the identity of the person who stands at the head of the Palestinian pyramid, which is nowadays Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Mazen, who is really fighting active terror against Israel, although what I have just said in, uh, in the last few minutes. If to be honest, Abu Mazen, unlike his predecessor Yasser Arafat, does not believe in terror, in terror as, a, as a way of life. He does not believe that terror or violence against uh, civilians is the way to convince Israel to sit down near the negotiation table. And deep in his heart, he believes that active terror coming out from the Palestinian cities towards Israel will destroy the Palestinian Authority institutions, like what actually happened during the Second Intifada. And it won't do better to the Palestinian image internationally. So this is the first reason why there is not in a new intifada these days. The second reason is the fact that at least until last May, May this year, there was a full security coordination between the Palestinian security forces and their Israeli counterparts, especially when it comes to do with uh, confronting the joint rival, which is the Islamic Hamas. And I remind you that Hamas took over the Gaza Strip 13 years ago uh, by force and disconnected it from the influence of the Palestinian Authority headed by Abu Mazen. The third reason uh, why there is not a new intifada is the fact that uh, the IDF, the Israeli army, is operating freely inside the Palestinian cities in the West Bank against security threats. Remember that according to the Oslo Accords, the Palestinian cities in the West Bank were ex-territory for the IDF before the Second Intifada. Those cities were considered uh, as Area A, which means under the full Palestinian responsibility and control. And uh, uh, the PA is, is the one and only who is in charge over security there. Israel avoided from entering into the Palestinian cities during the 90s even during the first year and a half of the Second Intifada. But since March 2002, during the Intifada, and actually until these very days, Israel has released itself uh, from uh, uh, any restrictions, and the IDF is operating inside the Palestinian cities whenever there is a security threat. As long as Israel is operating there, it can actually guarantee that those cities won't become, again, uh, new terror strongholds. This is the third reason. Another reason why there is not a new intifada is the fact that since the summer of 2006, uh, 2007, sorry, uh, there is a strict division between the two main Palestinian parties, the Islamic Hamas, who controls the Gaza Strip on the one hand, and the secular Fatah movement, who controls the West Bank on the other hand. And make no mistake, those two parties consider each other as enemies. And during the last 13 years, they have been building totally different political entities, each one in its own area. Um, they have totally different leaderships, different agenda, 
different education systems, different health systems, judicial systems, uh, uh, different relations with Israel, whatever you choose. If you like, it's like uh, North Korea and South Korea. Uh, most of the new Palestinian generation under the age of uh, 25 or 30 from the West Bank had never been in Gaza. And most of the new generation under the age of 35 from the from Gaza had never been in the West Bank. Uh, and you probably know that there is no physical connection between Gaza and the West Bank. But what's more important is that uh, uh, is, is the mental separation between the two parts uh, of the Palestinian territories. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, this separation serves Israel as a kind of a guarantee that those two parts of the Palestinian people will not come together under one united goal, such as New Intifada. Uh, another re reason is the lack of trust in the Palestinian leadership, either Fatah or Hamas, uh, by its own people. This is another reason why there is not a new intifada. People actually ask themselves, why should I fight Israel in the battlefield while my leadership, both of them, is corrupted and only care about how it can survive and remain in power. For those leaders, I'm going to sacrifice myself uh, uh, this, the, 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 these words I heard uh, many, many times uh, while working and covering Palestinian affairs during the years. And last one, um, I think we cannot ignore the fact that in general, the Palestinians in the West Bank are living in relatively, we can say, relatively comfort conditions, comparing, of course, to many other Arab communities in the Middle East, especially after the Arab Spring and the civil wars here and there and the rise of ISIS for some period, uh, they are not blind, the Palestinians. They saw what happened in some countries that uh, are surrounding us. So with all due respect, uh, the Palestinians, unlike many other Arab communities in this area, uh, were not slaughtered in the streets uh, and did not have to flee from their homes and become refugee once again under the bombing. And uh, they understand that if you are living in the West Bank today as a common guy with a normative life, you will continue to wake up every morning and get to work every day and will come back safely and you will have relatively quiet life. There are more than 140,000 Palestinian workers who were allowed to work inside Israel before the coronavirus, and many of them are still working here until today. Now, this is the pyramid. Uh, this is why there is not a new intifada today. And the head of the pyramid, I remind you, uh, uh, is the leader himself, which is still Abu Mazen, Mahmoud Abbas, who carry out his anti-violence uh, agenda, but if you take out the bricks out of the pyramid, then you might face a new reality. Abu Mazen, as many of you probably know, is uh, 85. Uh, and with the coronavirus or without it, he might die someday in the future. The division between Fatah and Hamas, is it going to last forever? The security coordination between Israel and the Palestinian security forces. What about him? Remember that there was a, a, a security coordination ongoing between Israel and the Palestinians even during the 90s. And it had been collapsed in a moment during the Second Intifada. And some of the security forces members even participated in terror attacks against Israelis. So what will happen? When Abu Mazen is gone, nobody knows. Is uh, the one who replace Abu Mazen in the future will continue to walk on the same path? We don't know. We uh, uh, personally, I'm not sure. Uh, it's an open question. What I can tell you is that uh, Israel's backyard in Israel's backyard, uh, there is a new Palestinian generation who is growing up. 
those of them who were only five years old when the second intifada erupted are now 25. They didn't live the trauma that my, my generation lived. They didn't experience the costs of war like we did. Uh, we are talking about a new generation that many uh, of them are educated, but still frustrated and doesn't have the real opportunity to find a job, at least in their profession. You know, so, uh, someone uh, told me something. I found it amazing in the last few days. Uh, he told me that Palestinians who were born after the year of 1991, never had the chance to vote because they were under 16 when the last elections took place in January 2006. Many of this young generation actually hate their leadership. They hate Israel, it's true, but they hate also their leadership. Actually, they they mainly full of hateful and they are frustrated, yearning for, for, for a change. And therefore, some predict that maybe the next Intifada uh, will be not against Israel, but first of all, against the Palestinian leadership itself, if that change is not coming soon. And I conclude with some few words yes, before we go, go over the questions. Uh, first of all, Sua Arafat, uh, the widow of Yasser Arafat uh, uh, said in, uh, in our report that after the failure of the Camp David summit in July uh, uh, 2000, Arafat came to her and told her, you should stay now in Paris. And she asked, he asked him why. He told her, because I'm going to a new intifada. Well, I just would like to uh, conclude with a few words in order to connect us to these days, these current days in the Palestinian Authority. It won't take uh, more than uh, two, one minute, two minutes. Uh, the, the, the Palestinian Authority is uh, facing these days the worst period, I think, for many, many years now. Uh, the reason for that, uh, we all know, is the shift in the Arab world uh, paradigm. Uh, since 2002, when the Arab Peace Initiative came to the world, the Palestinian leadership knew uh, that whatever happens, the Arab world won't sign any normalization agreement with Israel before there is a peace agreement uh, between Israel and the Palestinians. Well, Trump's administration uh, uh, has managed to break this paradigm. And uh, we also lately, the agreements between uh, Israel and the UAE and Bahrain. Uh, now, the Palestinian leadership, instead of checking out what went wrong with its strategy all over the years, uh, decided to wait. They are waiting now for the 3rd of November. Uh, you might be familiar with this date. Uh, and if to be more specific, they are waiting for Biden. Uh, maybe he is the one who will change the course of history for them. Deep in their heart, they know that the main problem they face now is not Israel, even not the Trump's administration, but the Arab world himself who started to signal them, guys, uh, uh, we are not going to wait for you forever, and you are missing the train once again. But on the same time, deep in their heart, the Palestinians know that they can change the course of history by their, their own hands, by turning into violence again, for example, to a new intifada. I'm not sure this is the first choice they have in mind, uh, but we have to be very careful in this period without... Uh, with all what has to do with neglecting the Palestinians in these very difficult times for them, in order for us, at least, not to be surprised uh, once again. So we have uh, a lot of questions. I'm going to try to get to as many of them as we have time for. We have a, a couple of different questions about succession to Abu Mazen. Uh, Rachel Robbins says, Abu Mazen has no credibility amongst the Palestinian people who are the potential Palestinian leaders who do have credibility with Palestinians and who could also be a partner for peace. And Leon Horowitz asks, even though he's currently in, his, in an Israeli prison, would it still be worthwhile to talk to Marwan Barghouti as a possible future PLO leader to rally the PLO 
to renounce terrorism as a tool to attain Palestinian goals? Okay, so the question of uh, who would be the successor of Mahmoud Abbas Abu Maza. So first of all, I would say nobody knows. And uh, there are a lot of names um, on the air that might replace him in the future. And uh, nobody can, uh, can be sure now that it would be one person, because as I already mentioned, uh, Abu Mazen is um, wearing three hats on his head on the same time. He's the head of the PA, the Palestinian Authority, is the head of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, and he's the head of the, of the Fatah movement. So nobody can be sure that those three hats won't be splitted between three different persons at the day after Abu Mazen. Um, uh, th there is a different uh, election procedure for each one of those three hats for to be in order for uh, in order to uh, put a new person as the head of the PA, the Palestinian Authority. You must have elections, general elections, uh, and then Fatah should the Fatah organization should decide who would be the candidate that would be the candidate for pre presidency in the presidency elections, but then you don't have only one player because Hamas is in the game also. So Hamas would choose his candidate for the presidential election. So there's a big question, who would be the next PA, uh, the next PA president in the Palestinian territories? But remember that for that, we need elections. And in elections, the Fatah, the secular Fatah party is not the only player, there is Hamas as a player as well. They are participating in this game. Now, who would be the next Fatah, the next head of the Fatah? Uh, nowadays, we know that the number two of uh, Abu Mazen in Fatah is a guy named, uh, named Mahmoud Al-Alul. He is the deputy head of, of Abu Mazen in Fatah. And uh, um, some say he has a chance to replace him in that in that, uh, in that job uh, for, for at least a, a limited period. Uh, some say uh, another, an, another, another guys or other guys. Uh, and uh, the, uh, in terms of who would be the head of the PLO, uh, here, here uh, you have also a different procedure of election. Uh, nowadays, the deputy of Abu Mazen in the, in the PLO is Saeb Arikat. So, uh, we don't really know uh, what might happen if tomorrow, for example, Abu Mazen passes away, go away. Uh, uh, we might we might find uh, not only one person, but three or four or five per persons that consisting uh, um, a committee or something like that that will rule uh, the Palestinians for uh, the interim period until elections. And you know, uh, when we say here until elections, it can last forever. So maybe if Abu Mazen passes away tomorrow, uh, the most strongest five candidates would come together to a one committee and rule uh, and rule the Palestinians. Uh, I'm not sure even about that. Uh, I can tell you that um, uh, as much as you have Palestinian uh, officials. Uh, this is the same number of candidates uh, for those who might uh, who might uh, replace Abu Mazen at the day after. And I remind you that after Yasser Arafat, nobody thought, or at least you know, two years before Arafat died, nobody thought that Abu Mazen would be the first choice. So the first choice after Abu Mazen might be a surprise to all of us. There are camps inside Fatah. Inside Fatah, the camp of Jibril Rajoub, the camp of Mahmoud al-Alul and Majid Faraj and others, but nobody knows who will win uh, between those camps, who will win at the critical time when Abu Mazen uh, goes away. About uh, Marwan Barghouti, who is in prison, who is uh, uh, a top Fatah leader, is in prison. Uh, I remind you that he was sentenced to five life terms uh, for murdering Israelis. And um, if you have a chance to see my report, my last report about the Second Intifada, uh, you can 
find out that Marwan Barghouti, during the Second Intifada, hosted in his house the uh, biggest killer of Hamas, you can say, during the Second Intifada, which is Abdallah Barghouti, the one who made the bombs that were exploded in Zbaro restaurant, in Moment Cafe. Marwan Barghouti gave him the apartment, gave him money, slept uh, in the same apartment while he was there. Abdallah Barghouti from Hamas uh, had the material to build new bombs in that apartment. So this is Marwan Barghouti. Also, during the years we hear we heard from here and there that Marwan Barghouti might be the new Nelson Mandela and the new successor of Abu Mazen. Just I want you to know who is the guy. A guy who is sentenced for five life terms who's still in Israeli prison. And I'm, I, I tell you another thing. I'm not sure uh, that the top officials of Fatah nowadays, Jibril Rajub and others, they are waiting for him. I mean, uh, I think they are quite, quite uh, comfortable with the fact that he's still in prison. Uh, uh, nobody from Fatah is going to give Marwan Barghouti after 15 or 17 years in jail uh, to take the head of pyramid after they worked very hard during the years in order to be there in the top. Uh, we have another couple of questions that are related, Gal, so I'll ask both of them. Chaya Schwartz asks, given the way that Israeli political attitudes changed as a result of the Second Intifada, how do you believe Israelis would respond to another mass outbreak of terror attacks along the lines of the Second Intifada? Conversely, Aaron Levin asks, what if any nonviolent alternatives are available to the Palestinians that would lead to a Palestinian state? <clears throat> so I think if there is a new, a new intifada erupted between us and the Palestinians, um, Israel would act much faster than it did in the second intifada. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you remember, but during the Second Intifada, during the one year and the, the first one year and a half of the Second Intifada, Israel has continued to try to reach an agreement, a political agreement with the Palestinians. The meetings between the Israeli leadership and Yasser Arafat were continued during the uh, first year and a half. Uh, into the Second Intifada. And the coordination between the security uh, uh, forces of both sides were continued as well until 2002. Uh, but I think nowadays um, uh, Israel is in a different place. Uh, as I told you, uh, what the Second Intifada managed to do is to actually erase the lines of the Oslo Accords. What do I mean by erasing the lines of the Oslo Echoes? The Oslo Echoes divided the West Bank to three different areas, A, B, and C. A was the Palestinian cities where the IDF was not allowed to act, to be act, to operate in. And nowadays, since the Second Intifada, Israel is there almost every night. Israel never left the, the Palestinian cities since the Second Intifada, which means that if tomorrow there is a chance that the Palestinian cities are starting to become again a terror strongholds. Uh, Israel would be there in 24 hours and would, would take control, unlike what, what, what she managed to do in the Second Intifada, because we were hesitating on that time because the peace process was still ongoing. Uh, so nowadays we are in a different situation. I think Israel will act faster and the Palestinian leadership knows that. They know that if they are even trying to uh, return to those terrible days, they will lose their, uh, um, their existence as Palestinian authority. They will see in 24 hours tanks in the middle of Ramallah, in the middle of Hebron, near the headquarters of Abu Mazen, the Mukata. And uh, uh, I'm not think many of them, many of the Palestinian, uh, the current Palestinian leadership has, are going to play with this, uh, with this game once again. Uh, what was then uh, the other question? Sorry. Uh, oh. What, if any, nonviolent alternatives are available to Palestinians that would lead to a Palestinian state? Well, um, I think the Palestinians now, um, 
um, are standing in a very um, uh, difficult, let's say, um, how do you say, summit, 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 you know? Crossroads. Okay, in a very, di- in a very difficult crossroads. And I mean by that, that when they see that the Arab world or some of the Arab world turn, turn his back uh, towards them, they actually have to decide and they will have to do it, uh, especially after the 3rd of November when you will elect your new president or your old president. Uh, they, will have, they have two choices, uh, whether or, or three choices, uh, whether to join the train of the Arab world and to uh, get back near the negotiation table. Uh, by the way, I can tell you that during the last year, the American uh, administration told them, uh, if you just come and discuss with us on any issue you would like to choose with, uh, 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 with your uh, reservations over the Trump's plan, uh, that's enough for us in order to stop the issue of annexation in order to stop the issue of normalization towards Israel from the Arab world, but they refused. So the 3rd of November would be a a pivot point for the Palestinians to choose whether they join the train and they uh, give up on the conditions of of, uh, how we can get into discussion with the administration uh, in in Washington, or uh, to uh, the the other the other option for the Palestinians is just to keep things like it is to remain the status quo like uh, they uh, have managed to do during the last five or six or seven years, and the other option is to go into violence with which I I I, I think it's uh, uh, it's the last option that they have now. Uh, but they will have to decide between going back to the table or just uh, staying in Ramallah, insulted, uh, disconnecting to the to Washington, dis- disengaging with with the Arab world, and they will will stay behind. Uh, Jay asks, with the lack of any knowledge about an Abbas successor, and with no one in Hamas a willing peace negotiator, with whom can the Israelis possibly negotiate? <clears throat> well, I think if, uh, I, I don't like to speak about Israel, but let's speak about the Israeli current government. Uh, well, we have to be honest and say that the Israeli current government didn't, re- I mean, headed by uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, didn't really uh, offered the Palestinians since 2009 and until these days uh, a real Palestinian state, or at least a Palestinian state uh, by the Palestinian parameters of how a state should be look like. Um, so uh, Israel, during the last uh, 11 years uh, under, uh, under Netanyahu, uh, negotiated with the Palestinian Authority over uh, what we call uh, Palestinian state minors, uh, which the Palestinians consider as not re- a real state. Um, I- I'm not sure that the policy of the current Israeli government is to negotiate uh, with the Palestinians over a real state. Um, uh, I think um, uh, Netanyahu, when he came into office, uh, he brought the agenda of uh, economical peace with the Palestinians, and this is what is working on since then. I mean, let's keep the status quo between us and you. Uh, we, as Israel, we will uh, take care of the security, and we will take care that the economic, uh, economical situation be- uh, among the Palestinians will be stable as much as we can, in order to postpone any kind of sorts of a new intifada uh, in the future. Um, So uh, in order to have a real political negotiation between Israel and the PA, 
you have to you must have two different things but they, you must to have them together you need to have a new uh, uh, israeli government uh, with a new agenda and you have and you must have a new palestinian leadership uh, which is willing to compromise unlike abu mazen during the last 15 years uh, we don't have two, these two parameters so i don't see any political negotiations uh, uh, over a Palestinian state in the next coming news. With Hamas, we, has a, we have a different kind of relationship. As far as you know, uh, Israel and Hamas uh, are making a, a, an indirect dialogue for many, many years. Uh, and also, it's not about a political or, or, or peace agreement. It's uh, out of the same agenda uh, that uh, uh, Netanyahu has brought to his office that we should keep the status quo in Gaza, which means we should keep the quiet in Gaza, don't have any uh, security active threats from Gaza. And in return, we pay the Gazans or the Palestinians in Gaza with a, 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 a relatively good economic situations. Uh, so uh, I, I, I think the discussion uh, of uh, uh, political new negotiations or negotiations over a new peace agreement are um, irrelevant this time. So we have a question from Kenneth Tolkskull. He asks, how much longer is the current non-peace, non-negotiation situation sustainable? Do Israelis who drive by the security barrier every day feel very secure and unmotivated to figure out ways to reach out to Palestinians? Well, I'm not sure I understood all the parts of the questions of the question, but uh, I'll try to answer. I, I, first of all, the last... how is the status quo, the current status quo? How long is it sustainable without? There's no peace. There's no negotiations. Oh, how much do I predict that it will be sustainable? Okay. Um, nobody knows. I, I Listen, I can tell you that uh, as a reporter who covered the Palestinian affairs for the last 17 years, uh, and after discussion with my colleagues all over the years, there were some times that we were surprised that uh, a new intifada was not erupted yet. Um, so I, I'm not sure uh, how much uh, this status quo um, can last, uh, how long it can last. Um, but as I described for you, um, there, the, the main problem is that there is a new generation that is growing up. And uh, I can tell you, I, I can see the difference between um, those Palestinians who are over the 40s, how do they speak? about the second intifada this is something that they really don't want to uh, 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 go back to those uh, terrible times uh, but when you speak with the age of under 30 25 those guys who who didn't really experience even if they were old you know under five year old or ten year old they really they uh, uh, didn't really experience the second intifada so for them it's much more easy to say that this is the only solution that we see as palestinians uh, in order to solve our problems uh, going back into violence you can hear that a lot, but there is a very uh, uh, clear separation or division between the, the, the generations, the young generation and uh, the older one. And the young generation, uh, as, as it happens uh, in all, all the parts of the world, is the one who is going to lead the, the, the next period. Uh, no matter how do you look at this. So, uh, uh, but until now, until now, uh, we are living in this status quo for uh, the last 15 years. Of course, there was an exception uh, on uh, October 2015, if you remember, uh, when we had the last round of violation with uh, a lot of cases that Palestinians, uh, young Palestinians took knives 
and stabbed Israelis in the street, and not only knives, uh, but also uh, guns and shoot it in the street, in the streets. Um, but since then, relatively, we are living in the status quo in, a, in, in relatively in quiet. Uh, is this going to last forever? I'm not sure. But as I told you before, I think the main brick of the pyramid is the identity of the leader, of the Palestinian leader. If tomorrow Abu Mazen dies, and uh, of course, if someone like Mawan Barghouti from jail is, is becoming a president, but I'm not, I don't think it happening. Uh, I don't see it happen. But if someone, uh, let's say the successor of Abu Mazen, uh, uh, after he saw all over the years the experience of Yasser Arafat that went to the terror path, and lost, and then he saw uh, his leader Abu Mazen uh, went uh, through the diplomatic path and not the violent one, and lost. Also, what does what does the message that the next leader is getting out of this? Maybe he can tell himself, "I should uh, uh, carry out in my hand." The, uh, uh, the, 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 the will to reach peace in diplomatic ways. But on the other hand, I shouldn't, uh, uh, I shouldn't leave the, the, the gun. I should keep the card of violence as one of my cards. Abu Mazen didn't have this card of violence. So I am very worried about the next leader I'm, I do, because I don't know uh, uh, who is who is the next leader? But when I'm checking the gallery of the Palestinian leaders on the and the Palestinian officials these days, I can hardly find someone who is like Abu Mazen, copy and paste. All of them uh, are much more, uh, let's say, or, or much less. Uh, comfortable towards Israel or much more extremist or in a way extremist more than Abu Mazen towards Israel. Many, many of the current Palestinian leaders believe that the decision that Abu Mazen had been taken many years ago not to use the card of violence was a mistake. So um, I think we should see what will happen and who will be the successor. And uh, this is the main brick of the pyramid. And then we would be smarter to analyze uh, whether the Palestinians are going to continue to walk on the same path or they are going to uh, take another path. Well, we have time for one more a question and a quick answer, please. And we had a lot of questions we didn't get to. And so for those who didn't get their question asked, I apologize, but try again next time we have a webinar and I'll try to call on you. So uh, because I think this is particularly uh, relevant because we have our first presidential debate tonight here in the United States between Trump and Biden. So Mishulam Unger asks, what constructive steps could a Biden administration take? What would be realistic goals? If you ask the Palestinians, uh, the most thing they are afraid of is an annexation in the West Bank. And they really believe that if Biden wins in the next elections, he will be the guarantee for them that Israel won't go uh, and even threat with annexation of lands in the West Bank. Um, I think that there is a good possibility that uh, after the results would, would be clear uh, in the United States, the Palestinian, and if, if, it's a big if, if Biden uh, wins the elections, I think the Palestinians uh, in a very short period will find, find their way uh, to reach the new American administration and they will discuss with him about how to uh, resume uh, negotiations with Israel, even 
even if those negotiations won't be over the final issues of the negotiation, but uh, at least something, uh, any kind of political, uh, uh, political process with Israel through the American administration, but it can only be uh, through Biden. I don't see, I don't see it, uh, uh, this, this, uh, uh, this issue be implemented uh, under the Trump's administration. I mean, if he continues after the 3rd of November, uh, I really don't, I really don't know what the Palestinians would do. It will, it would be a disaster uh, for them, definitely. And they themselves, they don't know what are the options they have in that case. I, I will write, by the way, my email on the chat now. In uh, So if anyone has a question and uh, didn't, we didn't have enough time, he uh, can ask freely on my email. Thank you very much, Gal. That's great. So that's all the time we, we have today, but thank you for sharing your email address. I'm sure some people will be writing to you. Uh, really, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, once again, I want to thank our supporters who are on this call with us and just know that your generosity makes programs like this possible. And once more, if you've not yet done so, please consider making a contribution at www.israelpolicyforum.org forward slash giving. So thank you everyone very much for joining us today. I encourage you again to subscribe to our podcast, Israel Policy Pod and visit our website to access recordings of our previous briefings, as well as our special virtual event, The Road Ahead. We're gonna be taking a brief hiatus from our weekly video briefings next week. Please stay tuned for an announcement about the resumption of this programming in mid-October. Until then, stay safe and stay healthy. Gamar Khatima Tova, Gal Hamona Montada. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.